Well, good morning, everyone. I'm glad you have fun watching those, too. Sometimes I feel just a little guilty. I enjoy watching other people's uh, accidents, you know, but they, they are a series of bad choices. And, you know, a lot of times when you make bad choices, things don't go well. And we want to talk today about your money when you're broke. You know, the truth is, a lot of times with our money, we're just like people in this video. We make some crazy decisions. We didn't really think through the consequences, and we wind up stuck like the girl stuck to the pole. Or we wind up with a headache like the guy on the swing, and we get messed up. We feel stuck financially. Well, my name's Dwayne. I'm one of the pastors here. I hope you'll take your outline out of your program and follow along and take some notes. You know, I've heard some, I've heard some a lot of people's stories about when they're broke. You know, I've, I've, a lot of people have talked to me about their debt problems. I, I collected some of these things people have told me. One person told me they were so broke they had vultures following them on Twitter, you know, because they weren't going to make it, right? One person told me they were so broke, that's why they came to church, so they could plug in their cell phone during the service, plug it, charge it up. You know, I, I, somebody said they were so broke, the bank asked for the calendar back. <laughs> somebody said their dog was so broke, he went down and turned himself in at the pound so he could have a good meal. Pretty bad, huh? Somebody told me they give blood every day just, so they, just for the orange juice. Then <laughs> my favorite one is somebody told me, hey, I... They were so broke, they go to KFC just so they can lick other people's fingers. <laughs> Bad, right? Well, when, you, uh, you know, when you're broke, it creates a lot of stress. It's not just a, it's not just a financial pressure, but it, it affects you physically, it affects you emotionally, it affects you spiritually. And God has a lot to say about our money and how we should handle it. And some of you, you're in here today, you came through those doors with a great weight on you. You're just broke. You don't have any money, you don't know how you're going to get any money, and you're worried and maybe even afraid, staying awake at night, trying to think about how you can get out of this mess that you're in. I know what it's like to be broke. I've been through several seasons of being broke in my life. I remember when Nicholas was, was just a little baby, I was in seminary, and we didn't have much money, and uh, there were about 10 days left in the month. One month, I remember in particular, and I looked in my wallet and it had like $21, and we need to go to the store to buy diapers. And we're looking at each other going, diapers or milk, peanut butter, and bread? Huh? What are we going to get? And we went with the diapers. So somehow we got through that month. We made do with what we had. God provided for us. But I want to give you some, some advice, some help today. How do, we get, how do we wind up broke? You know, how do we get in this, into these situations that's so stressful, so, such a pressure? And, and I want to give you some hope. Just like you heard Cisco share, you know, $41,000 in debt hard work, God's help, four years later, he's not in debt anymore. And, and it's not like a miraculous thing that happens overnight. It's usually a process. And God will work in your life through that process. He will grow you. He'll show you how he provides for you. He'll grow your faith. He'll teach you some things. He'll help you to learn to be content with what you have. You'll have greater gratitude. But it takes some hard work. You know, how do we wind up being broke? In the Bible, if you even look all the way back to Adam and Eve... And there they are in the Garden of Eden. They live in a perfect place. I mean, everything's great. There's no, there's no disease. There's no sin. They have a perfect relationship with God. Everything's wonderful. There's one thing they can't have. There was this one tree. God said, don't, don't eat of that tree or you'll know good and evil. It's like that freedom to choose. And Satan came and, and, and began to tempt them. And he told Eve, you know, hey, you know, God told not only you can't be like God, you, you, you eat of that tree, you're going to have knowledge. You're going to be like God. And so she wanted it, and Adam wanted it. And they took an aid of that tree, and, and sin came into the world and messed this world up. And what was at the root of that? 
It was a sense of entitlement. Like, I should have this. I deserve that. I should get this. And so they had this sense of entitlement that somehow the world owes them, that they deserve something. And so we wind up in trouble when we live with this sense of entitlement. And so the first fill-in there on your outline is a sense of entitlement will leave you impoverished. It'll leave you poor, not just financially, but it'll affect you spiritually. It'll affect you relationally. It will damage your relationships. When you live your life, going through life, feeling like people owe you something and you deserve more, it will wind up costing you. Now, I like to learn, when I'm, when I'm studying, I like to learn from stories in the Bible more than like commands or instructions. Stories I can really learn from other people's good examples and from their bad examples. And there's not a lot of stories in the Bible about what someone did when they were broke and how they, how they handled that. And I was praying about this. I was thinking about what can we look at. And, and Pastor Paul shared a few weeks ago, he, we looked at the parable of the prodigal son. And the purpose of that story is not really about being broke. It's about a young man who turned his back on his father. He went his own way. He ran away from home. And when he hit rock bottom, he realized he, he had messed up so bad. And he turned around. He came back to his father. And his father welcomed him with open arms, just like God will welcome us. Jesus was teaching an important point about how God cares about even the worst sinners. But if you look a little closer at this young man's story, what was at the heart of the mistakes he made? I hope you'll follow along with me and underline a few things. I want you to just look at his, this young man's choices through the light of this sense of entitlement. Jesus said a man had two sons. The younger son said to his father, give me my share. You underline that phrase, give me, give me. Man, I want, I, I want, I want what I want, and I want it now. You might even write over to the side, now. I don't want to wait, I want it now. That's, that's what that sense of entitlement is. Why should I have to wait? He felt entitled. He said, give me my share of the property. And so the father divided the property between his two sons. Then the younger son gathered up all that was his. He traveled far away to another country. And then he wasted his money in foolish living. Can you underline that phrase, wasted his money in foolish living? Now, you know, uh, uh, other translations uh, will, will express this, this way. He, he lived, he wasted his money in wild living. And you think of somebody going out on the town and partying all the time, but, but you know, there's other ways you can waste your money foolishly. And I just picture this young man, he had all this money, and he probably had some decent clothes, but they weren't the latest fashion. And so I had to ask around. I don't know where people go to buy the latest fashion clothes, because obviously I don't wear them. I don't know where people go. So I asked around. Some people go to Macy's. Some people go to Nordstrom's. Some of the young hipster types, they go to uh, those vintage stores, right? You buy used clothes from 30 years ago. You pay twice as much as your parents paid for them when they were brand new, but you got the vintage clothes. So I just pictured this young man, he made some bad decisions. He, he went out and he made some foolish decisions. He signed up for every credit card that came in the mail. He just lived it up. He, ordered, he had the latest iPad and iPhone. He had all the latest technology. He got the newest um, car loaded with all the communication, not car, he had camels. He got the latest camel loaded with all the stuff. He had everything. He just lived it up. He wanted it, and he wanted it now. The things he wanted weren't bad in and of themselves, but he, he said, I want them, and he didn't really look at his situation. And he, look what happens. After he had spent everything. He spent it all. Underline that phrase, he spent everything. When you have a sense of entitlement, it's mine. I'm going to do with it what I want. I'm just going to get and get and get. Give it to me. 
a time came when there was no food anywhere in the country, and the sun was poor and hungry. So there was a famine. There was no rain. They couldn't grow crops. There was not enough food. The price of food skyrocketed. And sometimes, to be honest, we wind up broke because part of it is circumstances in our life. We don't have control over the weather. We don't have control over our business, our company. Maybe your company that you work for, they go under and you lose your job and you're having a hard time finding employment. Maybe you get sick. Maybe you get cancer. There's things that happen beyond your control that you can't, that will affect you financially. And there's things that happen. This famine came in this young man's life. And it's easy to blame all the stuff on your circumstances, but see, he hadn't prepared for this day. He didn't set anything aside because we know sooner or later we're going to run into some problems. And he had set nothing aside. So he got a job with one of the citizens there who sent the son into the fields to feed pigs. So the son was so hungry, he wanted to eat the pods the pigs were eating. Let's just stop for a minute. Pigs are kind of cool animals. My uncle raises pigs, hogs in Virginia, you know, Smithfield ham and all that stuff. He raises hogs. I remember when I was a kid, I loved to go visit his farm, and I liked to go out to the pig pen, big place. He had all these pigs, and some of the pigs, they would come up to, to see you. They're very curious, friendly animals. Some of them, they liked, I would pet them. Their skin's really tough, but I'd pet them, and they'd like, and get in there and play with them sometimes. I always got in trouble because I was muddy. But anyway, I liked visiting the pigs. But whenever I saw where they ate, it was always gross. They'd throw their food out into these um, troughs, but they would make such a mess, rooting around in it and scatter it all over the ground and in the mud and dirt. And then they'd root around and eat it out of that. Let me tell you, eating, eating what the pigs eat is gross. It's leftover stuff. It's muddy. It's worse than going to Kentucky Fried Chicken and licking other people's fingers. It's worse. Just trust me, I've seen him eat. It's bad. He was so bad. He wanted to eat with the pigs. And it says, but no one gave him anything. That's kind of interesting. Jesus included that in the story. It's like this guy somehow had this sense that that people should still take care of him. He was kind of hoping someone was going to give him something, even though he made all these bad choices. He was hoping someone would bail him out. But no one did. So this next thing is really important. When he realized what he was doing. Can you underline that phrase? He realized what he was doing. He thought, all of my father's servants have plenty of food. They have what they need. They got food. They got a place to to sleep. They have a roof over their heads. He said, but here I am, almost dying with hunger. I will leave and return to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against God and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son, but let me be like one of your servants. So the son left and he went to his father. And we know the father welcomed him back. The father forgave him. Just like you and me, when we we wander away from God and we make a lot of bad decisions, we sin, we go our own way. God is waiting to welcome us back. He's waiting for us to come home. He wants to have a relationship with us. And, And in the area of our finances too, we've all blown it. We've all made mistakes. We've all had lived with this entitlement mentality and got things out of order and bought things we couldn't afford or we didn't really need. And then we wind up stressed and broke and no, nothing saved up for a rainy day. And then we're, we're frustrated. We wonder why things are so bad. We get mad at God. This guy had to come to a place when he realized what he was doing. He realized what he had done. And we all have to come to that place. And what do they say for people who, who have a, if you have an addict in your family, someone who's an alcoholic or a drug addict, and, and we, we kind of help them out. We keep them from hitting bottom, right? We kind of enable them. And what do they say? So often you have to let people hit bottom. You have to let them experience the full impact of their choices before they're willing to change. 
Well, this guy, he hit rock bottom, and it led to some tremendous change in his life. Now, you think about back to those silly videos we watched, people making stupid choices, stupid decisions, and man, I watch some of those things with my kids, and we just laugh. I'm a terrible person, I know. We laugh. Once in a while, I actually feel a little guilty. I'm thinking, I wonder what happened to that guy. Did he have to go to the hospital? I'm sure. How many bones were broken? Is he bleeding? Oh my gosh, what, what a dumb, why would he do that? Why would he do something like that? Never thought, somebody stand around filming this while it happens. They should get in there and help. Drop the camera, go help them. Anyway, so what happens when you get hurt, when you get broken, when you're bleeding? First thing you have to do is you got to get, you got to stop the bleeding. That's number one on your outline. When someone makes a bad choice, they get messed up, they're in an accident, they're ble- you can't fix anything else until you stop the bleeding. Same thing financially. You make some bad choices, you're broke, you, your money just keeps going out. You've got to stop the bleeding. You've got to take some serious action. That's the first thing you've got to do before you can go back and deal with the root of the matter, deal with the other issues. Some of us, in, our, in the area of our money, we're like this young man, and we need to recognize, we need to realize what we're doing. We need to come back to God and say, God, I haven't handled what you've given me very well. I've, made, I've lived very foolishly. I've made some mistakes. I've overextended myself. Would you forgive me and help me? I'm so broke. I don't know what to do. Don't blame anybody else. Take responsibility for the choices you've made. Uh, I mean, sometimes circumstances come outside your control. I've experienced those, and you wind up with some debt and some money hardships. But the truth is, if I really look back, I didn't save any money for those times. Just like this guy, I spent everything I had, lived it up, enjoyed my money. So I've had to learn the hard way, just like many of you. But don't blame somebody else. Take responsibility. And when you come back to God... We, we talked last week about how he gives us his Holy Spirit to dwell in us. And when we choose to surrender to him, he will come in and he'll lead us, he'll guide us, he'll grow us, he'll help us. And you look, look what Paul says in Titus. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation, offers forgiveness, offers hope to all people. It teaches us God's grace, his spirit which comes in us. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. Can you underline or circle a couple things? Teach us to say no and to be self-controlled. See, that's where we get in. So many of us get into trouble with our money. We don't know how to say no. I don't know how to say no. And when you're broke, you don't keep living life the same way. You don't keep going out to eat lunch every day. You know, it's just, there's some things you have to stop. You brown bag it. You buy your stuff. You make your lunch. You take a sandwich with you. You know how much it costs over a month and a year? Like, for me to eat out lunch, I, it, it costs almost 10 bucks every time. Even just to, if I get a full meal at Burger King, $10. I mean, multiply that by five days a week, $50. Four, four weeks a month, $20. Oh, $200. <laughs> Man, I practiced this last night too. Then 12 months. <laughs> 12 months, it's $2,400 right there. But you're broke, you, don't, you can't afford that. And then you want to take your family out to eat and do all this nice stuff. You, want to, you feel entitled to it. Look, look at all these nice restaurants we have around us. The parking lots are full and everybody else is going, why can't I take my family? And you're broke and you put it on your credit card. Now you're, now you're really broke. And the bill comes next month and you're paying 15, 18, 20% interest for that meal that you couldn't afford a few weeks ago. So there it is on your bill. You're still paying for it. I know it's hard. I'm not saying it's easy. 
But you're not entitled to that. We have this entitlement mentality. You know, maybe it'll make it a little easier if you go out to eat with your coworkers every day at lunch, you kind of connect with them. Maybe you say, you know what? You have to humble yourself, just like this guy in the story. Healing starts with some humility. As you humble yourself, you say, you know what? I, I can't afford to go out every day, but maybe once a week, I'll reward myself on Friday and I'll go out with all the people. But you bring your lunch. You know what? Not only will you save money, the lunch you bring will probably be healthier than the lunch you would have eaten when you've gone out. There'll probably be less calories and less salt and less fats in it. You'll probably be healthier. But you've got to say no to some things. You know, you, got, you were excited, so excited last year when you got the brand new phone with all the latest gadgets, the bigger screen, the better camera and everything. Man, you were on top of the world. You were bragging to your friends. You stood in line to get that new iPhone or whatever it was. Well, now the newest one was out, is out a year later and the one you got is no good anymore. It's just not good enough. It was so great a year ago, but you got to have the new one. doesn't matter it costs $600 or $400. you got to have the newest iPad. you got to have a bigger TV. And so we, we feel this sense of entitlement. We rush out and we spend money we don't have, and then we wonder, why are we broke? Why, God? I mean, I see people make just, I know they're struggling financially, and, and it's hard. Sometimes you have to deny yourself. You have to say no to some things. Take some responsibility save up, get your finances under control till you can afford the newest, best, better. You know, you want to take your kids to Disneyland, that's a great place to take your kids, but that's an expensive vacation. If you're broke, let me just tell you, you can't afford to take your kids to Disneyland. So you, you do a cheaper trip this year, you make some different memories, you take them to the beach, you take them to the Redwoods. You know, you take them to Paul's backyard and mess around back there. I don't know what you do, something, you... you you can't afford to go to Disneyland and don't go. It's a great place to go if you can afford it. But if you're broke, you're not, you're not entitled to it. Your kids aren't entitled to it. In fact, your kids are going to be a lot better off if you're living with less stress financially. But you've got to stop. You've got to stop the bleeding. Or as Mark Twain put said, if you're in a hole, stop digging. If you're in a hole, stop digging. It's not, it's not, it goes against what our world tells us. But you have to say, you know what? I'm going to trust my Heavenly Father. I've got to come to my senses, realize what I'm doing. Number two, you have to follow the doc's plan to recovery. So, you know, when you get hurt and they take you to the emergency room and you wait four or five hours before they finally fix you, right? And then, then you get to go home, but they say, you need to come back and see me in a few days. They want to check, make sure the wound's okay, it's healing properly. If you, like, tear a ligament like an ACL or you break a leg, now we've got to get you a... a, a, a physical therapy plan, something to get you back your full mobility and your strength. And they give you a plan, and so often we don't want to follow their plan because it's not easy. I remember my grandfather, he had a really bad stroke. Affected the left side of his body. Couldn't move it very well. Talked a little funny. Doctor told him, if you will follow these, this plan, you can regain most of your, you'll be almost back to normal. But my grandfather didn't want to give up some of those good foods. He didn't want to do the exercise. He didn't want to go to the physical therapist who, you know, their job is, it's like legal torture. They want to stretch you and push you and, and bend you to get your mobility back because you can't do it yourself anymore. And it's not fun, but you follow that plan if you want to be healthy because it's, it's a lot less fun to be broken and not working well. It's a lot less fun to be broke. So if you want to have some freedom, Proverbs 21, 5, says it starts with good planning and hard work. Good planning and hard work lead to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. Can I underline the phrase good planning and hard work? 
takes, takes some planning and some work. And you've you got to get a plan together, what we call a budget. A lot of people don't like the idea of a budget. Got to have a budget. Oh, now, now I can't do anything fun. I'm all restricted by my budget. Well, if you're broke, you're not having a lot of fun anyway. But you get a plan so you can work your way to a point of financial health where you can begin to have some freedom to say yes to some fun things, to do some stuff. But you got to stick with that plan. you got to do the hard work. When I was 18, I uh, broke my nose in a car accident so bad I had to wait a week for the swelling to go down to go get the surgery to set my nose. Man, breaking it in a car accident wasn't bad, but the surgery was awful. You know, a week later, messing around in there. So I, I, I go off to college a few weeks later, about three or four weeks later. I'm at college, all my f- new friends. Hey, let's go down. We had nice little gyms we could go play basketball in. Let's go play some basketball, all right? Let's go play. And uh, about the second game, I'm going up for a rebound, and somebody whacks me across the nose, and the blood just, you know, I thought, oh, it's all good. I'm breathing through my nose again. Well, my dad had to take me back to the, the surgeon. Oh, he yelled at me. What are you thinking? You weren't supposed to be doing that yet. Are you crazy? He used a few four-letter words, too. I mean, I was, like, yelling at me. You, you don't realize how serious this is? You've got to take it serious. Okay, I've got to follow the plan. All right. Dude, you're scaring me. Okay, so you've got to follow the plan. Good planning and hard work. You've got to make a, a serious assessment of the situation. I, I listed an app there on the bottom of your outline on the first side that I came across that was recommended on one website I was at. Uh, you can get it for free to help you track your expenses, get a budget. There's so much good information out there. Um, don't have time to go into all that today, but, but you want to track your expenses. And you need to know what it really costs to live. Do a full assessment. Sometimes people who are broke, they have no clue. What? It costs $5,000 for me to live? I only make $4,000. No wonder I'm broke. They've never sat down and done the hard work. And God has some instructions, some plans for us. And the first one doesn't really make sense to us as human, you know, from our human thinking. But the, but the Bible says, put God first. And so God's plan is first you offer God back 10%. The Bible talks about a tithe. Give a tithe. You give 10% of your first fruits back to God. It shows God is number one. It shows you trust him. And it's going to help you to break that entitlement mentality in your heart. And as you give to God, it doesn't make sense. You're broke. How, do, how can I afford to give to God? But you give to God and you try to, to say no to some things. With God's help, he starts to help you and it teaches you to depend on him. You can trust him. He'll provide what you need. He'll give you the things you need. Jesus was always button heads with the religious leaders. <clears throat> and they were very careful to tie their every little thing, but their hearts weren't full of love and mercy. And Jesus said, you know what, you guys? Yeah, you should tithe right there on your outline. You should tithe, but don't neglect the more important things. Tithing is important, but it's a reflection of your heart. It's a reflection of your love. It's not something you do out of duty or obligation. You give back to God because you love him. You put him in first. You're saying, God, I'm trusting you. I need your help. I'm putting my resource. Everything I have belongs to you anyway. Do you trust your doctor when you go and he gives you a plan? You're going to have to decide, do you trust your heavenly father? Jesus said he was the great physician. Do you trust he's the, 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 the financial doctor who can help you with your finances? You need to learn to put him first. Well, we've asked Jeff and Angela Hudak to come share their story with you about uh, some of their journey through financial struggles and learning to tithe. And so they're going to share with you. So would you welcome Jeff and Angela? They got a great story. Have you ever felt so broke that you can't pay attention? Well, we have. 
Uh, we're Jeff and Angela Hudak, and we lead a life group here at Crossroads, and Angela is a younger member of the Elders Council. And over the years, we have had many opportunities to serve and lead on different teams and be mentored by the leaders here, and we are so very thankful for their influence on our lives. We have struggled financially for a long time now. Before, it was just due to being young and dumb with money. Uh, we both made good money, but spent it all, plus some, on whatever we wanted or wherever we wanted to go, and never saved or budgeted. Of course, we don't regret those memories we've made together. We just wish we had have planned it all out better. Now we pay the price. As we grew up, our expenses began to grow as well. The overspending eventually caught up with us, and we were maxed out on credit cards with no cushion, living paycheck to paycheck. Eventually, we had kids because it's a surefire way to get out of debt, right? <laughs> our financial situation hasn't changed much. However, our behavior has. We've been tithing faithfully ever since we became Christians. Sometimes that is really difficult. At times, we have found ourselves in another rough spot asking God, like, really? Did we clean up our act? Oh. We, have, uh, we have to trust God that he will provide exactly what we need. Some ways we live within our means are by not using credit cards anymore. Uh, pizza night looks different these days. We no longer get a deluxe package from some nice restaurant. Our kids are just as excited about take and bake or make your own pizza at home night. And we keep the minimum, minimum package for our cable TV, things like that. We have come to realize that nothing is ours. Everything we have belongs to God. We must honor him by using the resources he gives us wisely. We feel that due to our obedience to God, we have been abundantly blessed. We could list a ton of ways, but apparently the pastor has to give the rest of his message, so we'll keep it kind of short. Some things that, we, that have happened while we were struggling, and a lot of people had no clue. Uh, my grandma would randomly put money into my credit union account, or we would receive a cash gift from friends in the mail, you know, just because. And it wasn't uncommon that it would be just a few dollars over in the exact amount that we needed at the time. At one time, our life group and our family members even rallied together and bought us a car, uh, we were a family car. We had a tiny car before. And uh, a truck driver at uh, the lumber yard that I work at, who uh, is one of our vendors that brings in materials that I unload, uh, twice gave me money to take my family out to dinner. And it was always around the time where Angela would be like, I just want to go out once in a while. And on a side note, that truck driver's name, I kid you not, was Jesus. So also, each time we had a child, our church family, many of you generously blessed us with meals. People would drive all the way from Fremont to Livermore and lots of them to bless us. And when Silas was born, I remember being in the hospital and Jeff's telling me, I have to go into work on Wednesday. And I'm like, what? why? You know, and he's like, there's this focus group. I'm going to get $500 if I go. And I'm like, go, go. What are you here for still? So he goes, and he ended up in a Ford commercial with Mike Rowe, and he got more than $500, and the timing of that financial blessing was impeccable. By being faithful to God and believing that he will provide, we have grown spiritually, and we don't worry as much about if we'll have enough. I'm not going to say I still don't lose a little sleep sometimes. As some of you know, I'm a stay-at-home mom, and I work a few side jobs, and that is something I feel led by God to do and be. 
I've worked full-time, and I've made a lot of money doing it, but I was miserable, and we didn't even have kids yet. And um, it would be a lot easier financially if I got a full-time job, but that's not God's plan for me right now. So this is the sacrifice we make for me doing what I feel God is leading me to do and one of the most expensive areas to live. God is constantly showing me. He approves by showing me fruit, too. In doing what I do, I've had the opportunity to witness to women, and I feel God has used me to help lead some of these women into a relationship with Christ. So the latest example of God's blessing about this time, um, this time last year, we thought we were going to have to move out of our house in San Leandro. There's nothing in our price range that I was looking for as far as rent, nothing affordable with dogs and cats that we have. And I began freaking out a little because the more I looked, the more I worried we were going to have to move out of the area. And I really didn't, we didn't want that to happen. So we started praying about it with our life group. And we were racking our brains like, who do we know that has a house that would be willing to rent to us? And one day, out of the blue, I received this email from Jeff's close family friend, Pat. And she was looking for a family she knew who would rent her house. And she wanted to know if we were interested in renting her home for a really great price. Uh, Through the years, we've always said it would be nice to live in Dublin, where I grew up. The craziest part about it is the price she offered was the uh, max price that we were really searching for in this area that we could afford. She also didn't care that we had pets, and Angela had been homeschooling Tabitha, and it was becoming really difficult. We've been praying whether she should go to a regular school or not, but this house just so happens to be in Dublin on a corner lot, and it is right across the street from the elementary school that our children attend, like the crosswalk touches the corner of our house. And uh, it's in a really great school district, and Tabitha has had an opportunity now to share her faith with other students at the school. (laughs) And Angela has been working on the moms, and Silas loves to share the songs and, and stuff with his friends as well. We thought we were blessed last year, but... Now that we have seen so many families being forced out of the area due to housing prices, we are amazed at this huge blessing. We do feel that God has been working on us over the past 14 years. It, has been, it hasn't been an easy walk, but it's definitely been rewarding. The heart change that is created and the dependence on him we have now is amazing. He, had led us and, he has led us and provided all along the way. We will continue to tithe and give sacrificially because we know that God blesses us in many different ways when we are obedient to him. Plus, when you tithe, the pastor's jokes get funnier, so it's a (laughs) win-win. Thank you, guys. I'm so proud of both of you. And, you know, I hope you listen carefully to their story. There's no magical cure. It's been a struggle. It's still hard. But God's grown them. He's provided what they need. And they can look and see how God has cared for them. I can say the same thing in my life. Many of you can say it in your life. And God says, I want you to trust me. You know, when you're, when you're running your life with 100% of your resources, why do you keep winding up broke? Do you trust me? And you put your faith and trust in God. You put him first and you, you begin to tithe. And he will help you. And you don't understand, how is it possible? You know, our prayer verse is Mark 10, 27. 
where Jesus said, with God, all things are possible. We ask you to pray at 1027 every day. Pray for the church. You can stop and pray for yourself wherever you're struggling in your life. But you can stop and pray. Set your clock on your phone. Remember Mark 10, 27, it's possible with God and his help. And God doesn't need your money. He wants your heart. He wants that relationship with you, and he wants to bless you. And as you come to him and you're giving back, God does something in you. And you just have to decide, can God do more in my life with me keeping 90% than I can do on my own with 100%? You just got to make a decision. Do you trust him? Do you trust your financial doctor? Do you trust your heavenly father? If you're here and you're just, you know, we don't want anybody to give, to tithe out of guilt. God, God doesn't want you to give. If you really don't want to give, then don't give. Just saying, if you want God's help, you want God's blessing, then you give. You put him first. And maybe you're here and you're just saying, there is no way in heaven I can start tithing right now. It's just not going to happen. Well, let me encourage you then. Decide ahead of time and before you get paid, what are you going to give back to God? 3%, 5%. whatever it might be, you decide and give to God first. Don't wait to the end of the month and give out of your leftovers, but put him first. Give first. Had a friend here, a good friend at Crossroads who's who's moved away. His plan, he couldn't, he just felt like he couldn't tie the first, but he sat down and he made a plan. 3% for three months, then 5% for three months, then 7% for three months, and so on until he was able to get his financial house in order and begin to tithe. I talk to people all the time here. They wish they could give more. They wish they could do more. When you begin to put God first and follow his plan, it frees you up. You will have more to be able to help others and bless others. You know, for those of you who are, who are in a place where you can give a little extra, in, a, in your program, there's a flyer that talks about our birthday present to Jesus. And one of the ways, the first thing we do with that birthday present that we offer to Jesus, we help families in our church who are struggling financially, especially during the holidays when there's all that extra pressure and time. We help families in our church. We help families in need. It's one way God provides for us, provides for people when they're struggling. And then the rest of that money we're going to put towards our new sight and sound equipment for the new building. You know, we're on a budget too as a church family, and we didn't have enough money to pay for everything when we were getting the building up. And so we're, we're kind of paying as we go. And so that's one of the ways we're going to buy that equipment. So if God's put it on your heart, you pray about it, you can give extra. Second thing you need to do is you need to save some money. And we recommend 10%. So you live on this 10, 10, 80 plan. Give 10, save 10. The Bible doesn't give us a certain amount to save. This is a number that uh, a number of financial advisors and people, it's a pretty good number that people recommend. It seems to work for a lot of people. Just say, you, you got a plan where you save. You, you take money off the top. Proverbs twenty one twenty says, The wise store up a choice food and olive oil. But fools gulp theirs down. Fools consume everything they have. So I have to be honest. There's been times in my life where I spent everything I had. I didn't save anything. I was living like a fool. I wasn't preparing for the future. Many of you have been there. But you make a decision. I'm going to put God first. I'm going to start saving. Circle that phrase, store up. Save something for the future for when things get hard. And then it leaves you, this plan will leave you 80% to live on. 80%. And Paul said this, Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. Can you underline a phrase, learned how to be content with whatever I have? I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. 
Paul said he learned how to be content with what he had. He learned how to live on much or little because Christ helped him. Christ gave him the strength, and God will give you the strength. Now, as I read this, I always kind of think, man, how did Paul learn to be so content? Because I'll be honest, I'm not always content. Is anybody here, like, are you, anybody here struggle with being contented all the time? I mean, I, it's hard. I, I see stuff, I would, oh, I would like to have that, or I'd like to fix this up, or I'd like to do that. I wish, I wish I, how did Paul learn to be content? I think it started with his connection with Christ. You know, my kids, sometimes they record this show on TV called Life Hacks, and uh, they like to see these guys are teaching you little tricks to get ahead in life. Well, I want to give you a Christian life hack. Focus on who you have, not what you lack. Focus on who you have. I think Paul was enjoying his relationship with God and God's people, and he didn't focus on all the things that he didn't have. Focus on who you have, not what you lack. Ask Jesus to help you to be content. Ask him to give you the strength. He has the power. Ask him to help you see things in light of eternity, that everything here is temporary anyway. You've got to live on this 80%. <clears throat> Dave Ramsey, he's a Christian author and a teacher about money management. <clears throat> he says, there are no shortcuts when it comes to getting out of debt. There's no shortcuts. You have to live within your means. You have to work the plan. You have to give it time. A great website. He's got some free resources there. You can get some books and materials as well. He's got, uh, he can talk about a lot of other things there we don't have time to address today that will help you. Especially look at the debt snowball if you want to find out how do you begin to address your debt. But it takes time to get better. It's not, a, it's not an easy process. You have to work at it. But Proverbs says, whoever disregards discipline, like you have to discipline yourself, they're going to come to poverty and shame. But whoever heeds correction is honored. So surrender to God. Say, God, I'm going to put my, fi- I'm going to put my life, my heart in your hands. I'm going to include my finances. I want to do life your way. I want to follow your instructions, your guidelines. I trust you that you have my best interests at heart. And so you say, I'm going to, and, and as God, you know, as you go through the years, and you're, for most people, as they go through the years, your income increases a little bit every year. You know, you don't have to keep, as your income increases, you don't have to keep spending more to live on unless your expenses have gone up. You don't have to raise your standard of living. Like sometimes that gives you the freedom that you can save more. You can give more, you can help other people, you can do things for others. It gives you other options. You don't always have to live with this more, more, more mentality. And then number three, make healthy choices. You know, as you're recovering, make healthy choices. Don't play basketball with a half-healed, broken nose. Make some good choices. Paul said this to Timothy, if we have food and clothing, we have our basic needs, we'll be content with that. Those who want to get rich... And you may say, Dwayne, I don't really want a lot of money. I'm not after money. I'm not greedy. But there's a lot of things you want that you need to spend money for. That's how we get in trouble with our credit cards and our debt. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Not money, but the loving of money and the things. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierce themselves with many griefs. That's a good description of what it feels like to be broke. I feel like you've been pierced with some griefs. And there's been a time in my life where I spent money I didn't have, put things on credit, easy credit, right? And then the payments come. Man, and it, it feels like you are messed up. You're stuck, you have a headache, you've been pierced. It's just hard. 
And you have to learn, how do I live within this budget? How do I make healthy choices? One thing you got to do is stop comparing what you have to what everybody else has. Christy Wright says, comparison keeps us from being content. It's a barrier to gratitude for the blessings that we have. Stop comparing yourself all the time. You know, I was a business major in college, and one of our classes was marketing. And marketing is basically using psychology to... Uh, I mean, marketing is important. You want to let people know what you have. But a lot of it, a lot of marketing is using psychology to make people feel discontent with what they have. So they'll buy the newest thing. They'll spend money. So you'll buy more. And it's very fascinating. I mean, we're surrounded. We live in a materialistic, capitalistic society. A lot of good things go with that, but there's a lot of bad things. And there's always this this push to convince you that you need more to be happy. Well, Paul says this, run from anything that stimulates youthful lust. You underline a phrase, run from anything. We think about youthful lust as being like a kind of sexual, physical kind of things, but that's not the only youthful lust there are. I mean, you just look at little kids. What do they want? I want that. I want it now. Mine. You have to teach them how to share, right? I mean, just little, little toddlers, they have youthful lust. They want things and they want it now. And we, we struggle with that too. We see things we want and we want it now. Some of you, you need to run from some things that stimulate your, your youthful lust. Some of you need to run from shopping malls and big box stores. Some of you need to run from catalogs. Some of you need to, you know, when you go on the internet and all those pop-up ads, you need to put your wallet and your credit card far away. Don't store your credit card number there on the computer so it's easy to impulsively buy stuff. Some of you need to run from some things because you, you have a hard time saying no. You have a hard time controlling yourself. <clears throat> Make some wise, healthy choices. Don't do crazy things that are going to wind up leaving you a mess financially, leaving you broke and struggling to... To, you just got to avoid some stuff. I shared before about the guy, he put his credit card in the freezer in a big block of ice. So he wouldn't make any impulsive purchases. When he, when he, it would slow him down, cool him off. He'd have to take it off and melt it on the counter in the sink if he wanted to use his credit card. I mean, sometimes, whatever it takes. You know, they've done studies. When you shop, if you go to the mall with your list of things to buy, you even have a budget or a plan, but you go to the mall and you have a credit card, you will spend 30 to 35% more, even if you have a list and a plan, than someone who goes with a plan and cash. Because it's easy. It's not, I can just stretch myself a little more, a little more, a little more. Budget for the holidays. Make some wise choices. Come back to God and say, God, you know what? Maybe I've had some circumstances in my life that have messed me up a little bit financially. But the truth is, I've lived with an entitlement mentality. That I wanted what I wanted when I wanted. I overextended myself. I was presumptuous. I didn't know how I was going to pay for it. And I messed things up. And God, I know I was wrong. Will you forgive me? Will you help me? Give me what I need. Help me to get back on my feet. Teach me to trust you. Teach me to manage my money well. As you do, God gives you a little blessing. He provides for you in some very amazing ways. You know, my, I, I just made a commitment. I'm going to drive my cars until the mechanic says, Hey, Dwayne... It's going to cost you more to pay me to fix this car than it's really worth. It's not going to be worth it anymore. And I feel like, wow, I got these older cars, 1998, 2000, that have had very little, no major mechanical issues. And I just feel like, how do you explain that? I feel like God's blessed me. Didn't give me money, but my cars have stretched longer. They've lasted longer. I feel like God's honored my heart. 
feel like you helped me. We moved here. I wanted a foam roof on my house. I didn't need it, but it sure would be nice because my house would be cooler. I got some quotes, realized I couldn't pay for it. This company gave us a $6,000 foam roof. I didn't even pray and ask for it. But I was trying to follow God, obey Him in my finances. I felt like God gave me stuff. And then this morning, I get up, and uh, I, I, I love sports maybe a little more than I should, but I, I, don't, buy, I don't buy jerseys because they're expensive and I can't afford it. And so I have a couple jerseys that a friend gave me because they didn't need them all anymore. They had plenty. Nothing wrong with buying jerseys if you can afford it. I can't. I have a basketball jersey somebody gave me. And so I get up this morning, I put, you know what this makes me feel like? It doesn't just remind me of my friend. It rem- I feel like God gave me this blessing. Like I didn't overextend myself and spend 100, 125 bucks for a jersey. I don't need any shirts. But I, it just makes me feel good. Like God will give you little blessings along the way if you trust him. And let me be clear, please, I don't need any shirts. I'm not asking anybody to give me a jersey. <laughs> I, don't buy me a jersey. I just, I, I just... I'm just trying to share like a little thing, like you say no to some stuff and then God will give you little things. Does that make sense? He'll bless you. You know, and so I get up, I'm like, oh man, that makes me feel good. I felt loved by God. Dave Ramsey said this, live like no one else. So later you can live like no one else. Think about that. He's saying, don't live the world's way. Don't overextend yourself. Live God's way. You won't be you may, you're not gonna, may not have everything deep down inside you really want, but you won't be living with all this brokenness and financial pressure all the time. You won't have to live like most of the rest of the world who's struggling with debt, credit card debt for things they couldn't afford that they bought, some of what they're not even using anymore. Live like no one else so you can later live like no one else. Will you bow your heads and pray with me? Just encourage you, take a moment, reflect on your life where you're at. So, so often we just don't take time to reflect and think, where are you in life? Do you realize what you're doing financially or in other areas of your life? Do you need to come home to the Father? Do you need His help? Do you need help trusting Him, asking to help you? God, thank you for just all the wonderful gifts you've given us. Help us to trust you. Help us to to put our life in your hands, to know that you'll be with us, you'll guide us as we follow you. Help us to surrender. It's not easy, Lord, to say no to things. We live in this world, especially around us, where so many people have so much. God, help us to realize those things aren't going to really satisfy our soul. And so often we pursue those things, it wrecks our lives, it leaves us feeling broke, and we need you. God, change our hearts. Teach us to trust you. Teach us to live and enjoy what we have and to be generous with others. Thank you for your love for us, God. You are, you're just amazing. We, we thank you. Thank you for your help. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.